0: I'm going to start off this podcast episode with a quote from Eminem. Look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, in one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? This episode is dedicated to the second annual Ride for Loma, occurring on July 26th. If you are in the Edmonton region, I want you to stay tuned to the release of tickets. It's going to be three rides, $100 a bike, 150 riders, massive outdoor party led by Boudang Music. This is something that you'll want to be a part of. And it's not to the extent that money is the only gift that you have to offer. Because in this episode, we talk about essence and what essence looks like, what essence feels like. What does it feel like to be fulfilled in your life, to carry on something meaningful, more meaningful than money or social media or likes or the amount of listens? What does it look like to show the people in your life that they matter? And so it might not be cancer that you just want to scream at. It might be MS. It might be that there is some rare disease that rocked your world. And at the end of the day, it's about reflecting on the fact that life is simply too short to sit down and just watch. Just watch people come in and out of your life. Take things for granted, not take time to stop and smell the roses. It's important to take moments, not for granted, but as gifts. To understand that everybody that comes into our life and how they come into our life Everybody that leaves our life and how they leave our life All of that is happening for a specific reason And while we may never understand these reasons or think that they are unfair or Want to punch the wall or scream or cry? They are reasons nonetheless And it's a matter of being open to what life is because it's not all happy But then you find this moment where a dragonfly flies in front of you, and you understand that we ride as one. Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. Today, I'm interviewing Tevia Selye. She's a vegan, she's a mom, she's married, she's LGBT, music lover, director of education for Cycle Bar Franchising. She kicks ass and takes names and leaves nothing held back. She feels emotions like she means it. But honestly, she tells her story best. So here we go. Welcome to episode 57 of The Lifestyle Chase. Today, I am joined by the one and only. Tevia Sally, how are you doing? And did I say your name right?
1: You said my name correctly, and I'm doing great. That's awesome. How are you?
0: I'm great. It's it was a hectic, hectic last half hour because for the first time, <laughs> I had technical difficulties getting all this stuff recorded. So take me through a routine. Like what what is your day like? How do you start? What what's stuff that you do?
1: What do I do? I I wake up every morning about five in the morning, do a little workout. I love to start my workout um, first thing in the morning because I have two kids. Um, I'm either getting them ready for school or for camp. They're in camp today. So I, I like to get my workout in. And if I don't get up and do it at the crack of dawn, chances are I'll get them to camp or school and then calls and emails start coming and then I forget the me time. So I get up, I do my workout, I get kids up and ready, Uh, and then I typically we have currently have 182 studios open, and we are uh, opening another 30 to 40 in the next uh, three months. So I am just talking to people, walking them through all the steps of finding talent. I have a whole team of master instructors under me that I'm in constant communication with. Uh, We do auditions, we do trainings and boot camps. So just basically that's what I do all day long is talk to people, um, make sure that they have the right talent in order um, so that they can be successful.
0: Absolutely. So if we took a time machine and went back like 20 years, what, what would life look like 20 years ago?
1: Wow. So 20 years ago, I uh, was in the process of opening uh, the, one of the first indoor cycling studios, boutique indoor cycling studios. So th- there were uh, spinning was in, in gym, big box gyms. Uh, just starting to make its debut in the 1998, 1999. And so we decided, uh, I had a couple partners, and we decided to take it up a notch and make it a studio fitness uh, boutique, kind of like there were yoga studios. So we thought, let's take it and make a spin studio boutique. So we created a very high-end uh, attracting that Hollywood because we was in West Hollywood so we were attracting that clientele so basically you know trying something uh, that no one else had tried before uh, as far as a, a boutique style fitness back then um, that's what I was doing 20 years ago
0: that's awesome and with, yeah with everything that's new like this was a new market a new topic probably like a, just a new concept yes um, what were the three things that people said against your idea that really stuck with you?
1: Uh, that were against it? Yeah. Uh, you know, my father said, you're gonna, let me get this straight, you're gonna put money into building a studio with bikes that go nowhere. Yes. Um, you know, uh, I would say a lot of people thought it was not a smart, they didn't think it was something that could withstand the time and that it was a temporary it was just one of the gimmicks of in fitness that will go away very quickly so um, we kinda thought we had something that was different than most people had so we basically decided that we would go forward so I think everybody I ever came in contact with told me not to do this in that time but at, at that time I was fed up with where I was in my life. I was a private investigator for several years at a company. Um, And it's just, I saw the dark side of people and I fell in love with indoor cycling. And I knew that if it could make me feel as good as it made me feel, and it gave me some sort of um, active meditation that was missing in my life, that I could do that, it would change It could change so many people and so many aspects of their lives not just the health and physical part of it but the mindset of it as well because it is an active meditation besides being a workout
0: and that makes sense i can totally relate to that um so i like to ask people about their high school experience so (laughs) in in high school What what was that like for you? What kind of a clique did you fall under? Were you academic? Were you athletic?
1: Yeah, I was athletic, um, very athletic. I was also student body president, so I was more into uh, you know sports. Uh, I led you know the school being uh, you know I was class president, And then I was student body president, so I was very uh, in a, a a kind of you know cool click, so to speak. I wasn't one of the crazier people, um, in school where I got into trouble. Uh, I was pretty much a, a leader, so to speak in school.
0: So say going back when you were, um, like 16 years old, did you know that you wanted to be a private investigator?
1: No, no, I had no idea what I wanted to be. I really didn't. I, I went through uh, high school not really knowing nothing stuck. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be um, all these things that people tell you you should be: doctor, lawyers, you know, accountants. You know, you have your parents throwing things at you. Um, I didn't know what would work for me. I was really good at math. Uh, always, you know, great when it came to math. So, uh, you know, my idea when I went into college was that I would uh, do business. Uh, So I did business and communications. So when I graduated college, I went to work for uh, aerospace company where I was a financial uh, analyst. I did, I priced out bills of material for the space station. uh, And I did that for one year and I hated it. Was the worst job in the whole world. I was in a cubicle. I was unhappy. At 20, I think it was 23, I had an ulcer. At the stress level, I was working 80, 90 hours a week. So I um, I was adopted and I was searching for my biological parents. And in that process, I met a private investigator who thought I did. Such great work leading up to the point of reaching out to him. that he said, come work for me. I think you're really great at this. And so I I told my dad I was going to quit my job and I was going to go apprentice under a PI. And he told me I couldn't and that I needed to at least stay one year because it would look bad on my resume. So I waited until my one year anniversary and I walked in and I quit. And I left and, um, you know, apprenticed uh, under a private investigator until I was able to get my license from the state of California.
0: That's crazy. If you could give me three benefits to how you grew up basically being adopted, like what what would three things that stand out to you be?
1: So, I mean, I I great parent. My parents were fantastic. My adoptive parents, amazing. Um, so I'm so grateful I, I grew up. Uh, with them as mentors and parents, uh, you know they—they never—they uh, just gave me the option to be who I wanted to be. And when I did want to change careers, it was like smart, be smart about it, stay a year. But whatever I chose to do, um, they gave me hundred percent support. So I, I love that. Um, but I think being adopted when you find out you're adopted as a as a child you have questions and you wonder, you know, why someone didn't want you, right? So that was something I think I struggled with for a good amount of my uh, teens, even probably into my 20s. And, uh, you know, you abandon it, like someone's going to leave, I'm not going to be good enough. And that that was something that took into my 30s to figure out, right? Um, And then just uh, that, you know, I think it's more so like, do I have siblings? Do I, do I look like someone? Because when you're adopted, you you know, my sister might have an adopted sister and we look nothing alike. So to be able to identify and look at someone and see that, Oh, I can see a little bit of myself in you kind of thing. So I think those are probably the three main things growing up with.
0: I feel like that would play in really well to Fostering a community within, like, a large spin culture, indoor cycling, I should say, in that uh, we all come from different places, but we all have something to bring to the table. And yes, sharing that, like, your background would definitely contribute to a greater understanding and a greater empathy for someone who's like new to to a class that they may not be comfortable with or are there to find a sense of belonging, which is one of the most wonderful things about like indoor cycling communities.
1: Yeah, I think that for um, my goal has always been in the indoor cycling world was to create that community so that I might not, if I would have met you somewhere, I might not have clicked with you but I can ride next to you for five years and you've gone through death with me. You've gone through breakups and everything, you know, riding next to me that we are now um, connected. And the, the bond that you have in that room when you're with these people over and over, you see them week after week and month after month. And sometimes year after year that you it's, it's a home where you feel safe. So I think that was always the goal with what we attempted to create um, with our studio that we built, which was then, you know, my original studio, Body and Soul Workout, was the basis for SoulCycle. My ex-business partner is, has my job with SoulCycle. Um, the owner, the, one of the founders of SoulCycle was our, our student who moved to New York, and that's then was like, New York has nothing like this. I want to do this um and uh so we you know our vision played very uh deeply in it roots deeply in soul cycle and flywheel as well in that creating community and obviously when i came to cycle bar that was my goal is how do i not only create the community for a cl- the clientele but also the instructors because if i get the instructors feeling like they belong in the community, then they're gonna walk into their studios and try to foster that same uh, community feeling within their studios. So definitely my vision from day one.
0: As far as because a lot of people find that the fitness industry becomes saturated or there's like there's too much, there's, there's not enough people to go around. Sure. What is your stance on having so many different growing brands of indoor cycle and like how does that reflect in the direction that Cycle Bar is going?
1: So I think with Cycle Bar, the the one unique thing that we, well, there's a couple of things we do, but one of the things is because we're franchised and we go in these different communities, we go into communities where um, our biggest competitors would never enter right? Fargo, North Dakota, no one, you know, SoulCycle is never going to Fargo. Um, Moines, Iowa, like there's so many places that they would never go. Um, So with that franchise, you still maintain uh, that mom and pop kind of feeling because the franchisee, it's their money. They own it. It's their energy in it. And so when they buy into the bigger picture of Cycle Bar, and then they bring that to the community. People feel like it's that mom and pop, yet it's a a big brand. So you can go to any city and find it. Um, So I think that that separates us from a lot of people, as opposed to, you know, you don't get that mom and pop throughout these bigger chains when you go to those studios. Uh, second thing is I think that we offer a variety, and that was always my goal with CycleBar, is to give the opportunity that if you want numbers, you can come to this class and, and get your numbers. If you want numbers amped on 2.0, you can go take a performance ride. But if you just want to walk in and close your eyes and not hear numbers or look at numbers, you can have that connect ride and you can have it. So we, we're not looking for one type of person. We're looking for Three types of people, and so we're really very inclusive in that sense. Um, we're not looking for that, you know, type of, of client that's the perfect size and the perfect body and, and this specific look. It's not our brand. Um, I, I just got an email from somebody uh, that I was reading this morning about uh, uh, somebody who auditioned for them and how they were concerned because you know they were not exactly the fit look. Um, and I sent them five or six uh, screen grabs of Cycle Stars who that sell out classes around the country that are, you know, a size 10 to 14. And that that's our brand, is that we're not exactly looking for the perfect, you know, body. I don't even know if there is a perfect body. I think it's just a stereotype. So I think that that separates us from everyone else those kind of things. So we offer that inclusivity. Um, We're not exclusive. We're not going for the 1%. We go for the, you know, 99%. I
0: agree. And I'm, I'm on the same page with all of that. That's why I'm seen at Cycle Bar Windermere very often. It's just like that whole being able to, Enlist people based on their capabilities. Like if you can wake up in the morning, you can go to Cycle Bar. It's it's not a matter of you have to like hit a certain benchmark first or anything like that. Like people's lives can be changed for better through the simplest measures.
1: Yes, so I agree.
0: With the topic of community, something that I have found that I've noticed. Um, I would consider myself a very supportive LGBT ally, someone who likes to see that community feel like they can live a life just like anybody else. And with society, it's something with a lot of pushback. I know that you would be able to speak to this. What, yep. what is the, the toughest obstacle that you faced with your journey on that topic?
1: You know, it's um, it's been... It's ongoing, right? So you think that in 2019 you don't um, – that that there's not going to be hurdles, but there is are still hurdles every day. I mean, you walk, I, for example, we, I flew home with my family um, the other night, and, and we landed in LAX, and we had a car pick us up because, obviously, I wanted to schedule a car. I had two kids with me. Um, and, you know, the driver saw my – family, you know, there's two moms and and two kids and he would not shake my hand. He shake he shook my kids' hand and he shook my wife's hand, but he would not shake my hand. And you know, had it not been two o'clock in the morning, um I would have just said, I'm not using your service. I'm going to call an Uber and you know, but I, I needed a car seat. And I had ordered a car seat. So I, I, I really was, and I was spent, we, we, our plane was delayed by four hours. So, and it was late in the night for us. So we went with it, but um, even now, and especially living in Los Angeles, you, you don't think that those things still happen, but they do. And so um, growing up, I would say for me, I didn't have the struggles. And I think a lot of people had growing up because I had great parents. I'm a very accepting mother who just wanted me to be loved and love and that's it. And I was always as long as you are loved and you're loving people, I don't care who it is or what it is. So I grew up not thinking anything was wrong with me and that it was all okay. But I will say that with the cycle bar journey and traveling all over middle America, that you do see um, the difference of acceptance from state to state and demographic to demographic. So we, we even have that with uh, in challenges with you know June was gay pride month and and some uh, demographics not wanting to partake in that. Yeah. So,
0: do you find that like in your home base, or is it just when you're traveling around? Or?
1: More so traveling. Not, I mean, everyone in 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 Southern California pretty much okay. I was it was really a rarity um, uh, when we came home the other night from the airport. I would we were all shocked. Oh, my wife and I were shocked. Um, but I did write a nice email to the owner of the company about it. Um, but I, I think that overall. Um, you know, I, and I do understand that. You know, look, people are going to there are going to be people for religious reasons who believe one thing, and and and, and to stay in alignment and not be not be judging of them, let them be. Because if I if I'm judging them, then I'm I'm in their I'm in their space. I don't want them to take my space up, so I'm not going to judge them. But it is definitely you know ever present. I would say it's not, uh, I think that, you know, your country far better, right? It's, it's you're, you know, I think that there's um, a different experience of where people are in our country right now. It's a very, we're a very divided um, country at the moment, several divisions. Um, so I think that it's, it's you know, going to take some time to come together and get better So that's gonna always be present, I think.
0: Yeah, and it's, I don't know, I I think I'm wired for for empathy and like I might not be in that situation, but it doesn't mean that I'm not enabled to like have some sense of allegiance or just understanding what it must feel like. Like I can can make it as though say, because I'm a Canadian, I like hockey. And what if liking hockey was just completely just outrageous and I couldn't do anything based off of me liking hockey. And then that that's right. what it takes to understand where another person's coming from. And it might be like some really redneck approach. Yeah. It, it doesn't take much to uh, put yourself in somebody else's shoes.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, it, it's, it's just, again, we're, uh, especially where we live in the United States, it's just, it's so divided. That the hate level of hate with just LGBT and and then you've got religious and you've got you know there's so many um, different people being hated on, um, so it makes it very difficult to exist right now. I think it's very hard because we are, you know, we, we have a healing that has to take place in the United States of America. And I don't know how that happens, but hopefully it will um, happen at some point. Um, but, you know, for right now we have, you know, whether you're gay or you're white or, you know, black, Hispanic, Jewish, you know, Muslim, there's there's just so much division. And I think it's it's not just my experience um and my you know being gay and being having these experiences everyone everybody at this point is being discriminated so i have a lot of uh empathy for all people and um i think at one point maybe we'll all get there i hope so anyway
0: i hope so too but i think it's a good segue to the role that a cycle bar location can play in a community yes because everybody that gets on that bike has a way to impact other people in their life and it's that solidarity that you experience in that room when the lights are off and the music hits that beat and you you find that that state of flow Um, yeah you get like this sense of clarity you you might start your day off with like a 6 a.m class and all of a sudden things are more clear you go out into your life and you can actually impact change like People in the spin room are, they could potentially be political leaders. They could be police doctors. And it's incredible. Yeah. Then looking back, you're the leader that leads leaders to lead. Isn't that a cool feeling?
1: It's a great feeling. I I feel incredibly blessed that um, I get to do what I do for a living and that, you know, we have over 2,000 instructors right now and that. I get to make, I get to go make an impact on how they uh, go out and roll out the vision. And the vision has always been that we want connection. I mean, we're selling, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it is a workout. So we're selling a workout to a point. I would say the workout's a given, but we're selling an experience. And our our experience is to, um give people the opportunity to feel good and we feel good when we're empowered and when we're inspired and motivated. So if we all get up on that bike as instructors and we can make that happen in that 45 minutes, the ripple, like you said, people, you know, you're a better parent, you're a better partner, you're a better teacher, you know, you're better at your job. If you can get that, um, work out in. And, and I do think that what we do, and, you know, we, we have designed classes and the ride format in a way that does heighten the experience. I think we've done a really good job training these instructors to be transparent and real and authentic, because we can't get up there and be fake. We have to be authentic authentic and who we are in order to really make that connection Um, can't have that connection if we're acting up there. So we have to be real people up there and be vulnerable and share our experiences. And when we do that, we connect. And it's a safe place so that it doesn't matter if you're going through the worst time of your life or the best time in your life, you can come in, clip in and be in the same room was somebody who might have lost everything and you just gained everything. So I feel blessed that I get to do that and, and be in charge of all that and, and lead, I call them the youngsters, my, they're my kids. I, uh, I love that I get to inspire them to be inspiring.
0: And I, because I've ridden on an indoor stationary bike for several classes and seen a lot of people's toughest moments, I've seen people cry on the bike, I've seen people get through some really, really tough life-changing moments mm-hmm. on the bike in which everybody's presence in there counted, everybody's, how they rode, what intention that they had, had an impact. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a moment for yourself that stands out when either you had to just like unload some heavy baggage or someone else was leading the class and you were witness to that moment?
1: Yeah. I mean, several over my career, right? I've been doing this forever. So I would say for me, um, My mom passed away um, almost five years ago of cancer. And so during that time and being on the bike, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have that outlet as an instructor um, to shift my perspective every day. So as much as I was up there on the bike leading people, I was also working through my own stuff. And I always do tell this to people, all the instructors, is that as we go through this and we're on this bike, we're really, we're always talking to ourselves, right? We're working out our own stuff. So I think that for me being able to talk and and share where I was and and the music played a big role in it, because there's be some days where I'd just be mad and I'd play, maybe throw in some, you know, Foo Fighters or Nirvana in there and then um, or Rage Against the Machine and then follow it up with something soft um, so that I could feel those emotions. And I, I can't hundreds of times, thousands of times I've gotten on that bike as an as the instructor and bawled my eyes out. At the same time that other people were. And I think that those are the those are your best moments on the bike because they're, they're the, your truest Moments as an instructor is when I can be out there and be that vulnerable in front of 50 people because I, I believe that everybody who comes into that room is meant to be there. So they're meant to hear whatever is being spoken, they're meant to experience that energy of that room. Otherwise, their car wouldn't have started, you know, their alarm wouldn't have gone off. Um, something would have happened to prevent them from being in that experience. So um, I think that, you know, those times of being the most authentic, going through my mother's death, um, going through, you know, uh, so much stuff, um, that those things help change people as well as yourself. Dozens of times i have cried in classes. I mean, more than dozens, hundreds. I I have some of the best master instructor team around, and we're all getting together this weekend, and I can't wait. Um, We have these events called Cycle Star U where we uh, some of the senior master instructors get together and we do a three-day workshop and we all teach. Um, And every time we do that and I get to take my uh, master instructor's classes, I walk away falling because they're so great and what they do that if i've allowed myself to be open walking into that room i'm going to experience so it's going to bring up something and it just might be that i'm so inspired and so proud of them that it causes me to lose it on the bike so i think that there's you know i all the time i walk in open now on when i take classes and I think that a lot of people who have been doing it and coming as students for years they feel that safety of being in a room where they feel like they they can cry it's kind of like it's kind of like the the old tv show cheers you know you had your characters who came and they were all from different walks of lives but they would come you know into this area sit at the bar and talk about their lives whether the good things the bad things you know they might not they never hang out outside of there but that was their place and they could be who they were and um, they could allow themselves to go through whatever they were going through at the time so i think that that's the whole cycle bar analogy is that you walk in no matter who you are where you're from and you can be and so if the class is is the music is right and the instructor is open enough and allowing everything to unfold, you're bound to feel. And you know, I, from all the, the people I've talked to over all my travels through all the different cycle bars, I meet people all the time who say to me, I cry in class all the time. So I hear it. So I know that it's something that happens every day, every, you know, probably a hundred times a, a day um, it's happening, uh, around this country. So it's kind of awesome.
0: It's, it's amazing. And I've been lucky to have conversations with lots of different people on their stances, their experiences. Some of the things that have stood out to me is emotions are meant to be felt. Like yeah. when, when you're sad, you cry, when you're mad, you yell, like these, you can't hold these things back when when people experience loss you're going to feel empty and it's going to feel that way probably forever sure and it's just about owning that that feeling and being able to live with an open heart in which you can share what that looks like with other people because otherwise they aren't equipped to know how to support you in whatever Yes. You is. it's crazy just like technology and social media and all these, you gotta look this way, do this thing, talk like this, make us not as good as being humans as what we maybe once were.
1: I agree, I agree. I think social media is um, its great for a lot of things, but it's also um, our biggest downfall as human beings. We no longer interact. With people, it's it's all through. It forces, it takes you out of being present and experiencing emotion with a person. You're experiencing it with your phone or your computer, and you know you, people paint these pictures of how perfect life is when it's not perfect. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's it's great to be able to come in and. and have those moments and be on a bike and, you know, not be in the most perfect place, but be able to go through a class. And sometimes a song will come on and you get to work out your angst or you get to um, shed the tears. And all of a sudden you go, I mean, I must've needed to cry. Um, It's, it's sometimes like a really great movie, right? Sometimes you walk into a movie and then you're, you know, at the right, you know, the intended part, I'm bawling. And, you know, it might happen, you know, three months ago, I might not have cried. But, you know, when I watched it at this time, it just, I lost it. It hit me. And it's, I think it's the same for that class. When you walk into indoor cycling, there is that flow that I don't get in other workouts. Um, sometimes maybe yoga can do that, but you're not going to get it. You know, probably never going to cry except in pain in a Pilates class, right? Or, you know, a bar class um, but or, you know, a CrossFit class. But, you know, that the, the way – again, I say it's active meditation because there's something about being on the beat. and You're, you're clicked into that bike. You become one with the music. The, the instructor says the right thing at the right time, takes you on this journey, and you – all your walls come to down tumbling down and you're open and you're present and you know it does invite feeling and emotion and then you walk out and you just peel the onion layer a little bit so when we do that we have better experiences
0: so kind of what brought me to cycle bar is my good friend dr farah sharif I yeah personally- follow her from studio to studio I go where she goes and in one of her recent classes it was it was a good one and she gave us a word to to think about she loosely defined it but kind of left it up to interpretation and the word was essence and I'm curious as to on the spot how do you define the word essence
1: uh I would say that it's Probably ever changing in a sense of my, our evolution and how we evolve as people and and my growth, but but it's hopefully one of being open, loving, kind, empathetic. Um, you know that that's that's what I give off when I walk into a room, when I'm there. The essence of my being is, you know to, I always say it's probably what, what my mom taught me is to love and be loved and that's it. So you have to give that out, um, you know, which is hard because you gotta let down the walls all the time. And, and when you're mad, you're, you're not so loving. And when you're frustrated, we're not so loving. So that trying to get in alignment of whatever that is, that core for you. And I think that that does change. And I think at your essence, changes as we evolve i think it's always going to change but the core will be there of whatever it is but i think that um it gets more broader we broaden our essence
0: and on the thought of it broadening and changing and evolving with you being a mother to kids and uh you have a partner and how have they impacted your essence what are some things (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. Kids are amazing in testing your patience um, and also testing uh, forgiveness, um, humility. They're humbling. Um, but they, they also, you know, for me, they've encouraged me to um, be a better Person and parent. So um, it's this how do I stay calm in moments where I just want to rip, <laughs> you know, rip them a new one because they've done something or said something that they shouldn't have said? Um, and how do I approach it from love um, yet with boundaries? And there's a fine line, I think. So I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say I'm a failure, but you know, I've stumbled along the way. Obviously, as I think all parents do. Uh, nobody, there's no book that tells you how to do it right um, and how to make it work best. I think there there are a million books, but there's no right way. And I think that um, we, you know we're going to make mistakes. And we're going to act ways that I'm acting more like the five-year-old than the five-year-old. And so it's just recognizing that um, I am going to falter and that I am going to at moments be weak as a parent and that I have the ability to constantly step up. And so it's stepping up and being the bigger person a lot of the times. Um, as far as a, a partner, um, I, you know, finding the right partner is probably one of the hardest things we can ever do to find the right partner. And for me, I'm fortunate that I, I married a Canadian, which is probably why it's so good. But she's um, also a really strong leader. She has her own company. She has her own production company. Very, very strong leader but challenges me, um, calls me out on my stuff all the time, which then um, invites me to change and step up and own, own up, I think is the best word, is constantly own my thoughts and my actions. And um, so that that to me as a, as a partner is great to have someone who challenges me and sees me most of the time better than I know myself to be. Because if you have that person in your life, and I think as a parent, you see that of your kids, and we all want the best for our kids, and we see them always better than they see themselves, um, or they know yet that they can be, um, so to have that be... Uh, Uh, A spouse who holds you accountable to that is great because then it keeps us um, evolving in a relationship, as a person, as a family unit. So that's how my essence of my family keeps changing uh,
0: that. So people give their critiques or their criticisms in how you could grow and we're not always open to, to feedback in that way. Maybe yeah. we don't see what they see. What's been a moment where you were like, no, like you're wrong. And it was hard for you to see it like they did, even though you ended up growing in the end from taking their advice.
1: Um, gosh, I'll tell you that it, it would, I would probably say this year for me was a really big growth year. Um, and it had nothing to do with family. It had to do with cycle bar family. But the president of our company, Ryan Junk, he's um, he's hilarious. He's I kind of call him. He's he, he's he did He was president of UFC Gym prior to coming to cycle Bar. So the the experience of uh, what we do, um, he just didn't. Yeah, I think he's gone to one indoor cycling class, right? So he doesn't really understand. So we're so opposite. and and I get very um, upset when franchisees don't necessarily follow the brand, right? And I just want to, you know, lay the smack down. And so I would say he's this year for me, he's challenged me when I didn't feel the need to change the way I do things. And so the growth for me this year being challenged, it was obviously a little humility um, when your boss sits you down and tells you, like, hey, your approach sucks, and you got to change that. Um, And so I think that for me, I'll give you a great example. Like, I am very straightforward. And so sometimes I'll come across somebody who will do something and I'll shoot them back an email and I'll just be – you know, might come across as being cutthroat. Um, But I'm offended that someone took this brand that I've created and threw it out the door and, you know, did something different. And so he uh, really worked with me to change the way that I um, sent emails, right? So that I got my point across, but there was no, I wasn't throwing shade in my email. Um, but giving them the opportunity to step up to the plate. So I'll give you a great example of, of change. Is that so? This year, my my wife was um, negotiating a lease for a new car, and the the guy that she was doing it all through email, and so she kept saying, "Can you please CC my team, which was her finance person and me," and he kept leaving everyone off the chain and just trying to deal with her. And I said, can I please, after like the 20th time, I was like, can I please send him an email? And she's like, no, please don't send him an email. I know your emails. And I was like, no, you you gotta trust me, I've changed. And I sent this email and she literally was like, I can't believe the email you wrote. You got your point across, you threw no shade, but it came from an opportunity for growth for this person to be a better salesperson and respect. You know, it it had my back, but you still offered this opportunity for growth without making him feel bad. And so, you know, I think that was for me in my 50s and in this industry for a long time to be able to look and say, wow, I've grown, right? Because of my leader, who's who's the president of my company, and I report to him directly. So, him being able to say to me, "You throw away too much shade. You need to grow up, and you know, invite people to change and see your point. Open the door for them to see your side." And so, um, sometimes it's not easy to, to do that. Um, and I went head to head with him for a few months, but. Um, it did give me the biggest change that I've had this year.
0: It's good perspective too, for people who think that someone is, that's who the... So you're the leader of leaders, and somebody's going to think that nobody ever says, no, do it over, or no, that's wrong, or no, you're doing it wrong. Like People just assume that a person in that position always gets it right, always has it easy. And yeah. this, this perspective makes it so easy for everyday people to approach things with the right mindset and not be so closed off to, to feedback because everybody's getting it. And yes. sometimes the people who get the most feedback experience the most growth.
1: Yes, I agree. And I think, you know, I say this to all these the instructors that we have because uh, to bring up like my master instructor team and Every time I'm with them, and they're all over the country, so we don't see each other. We see each other probably every two months. Whenever I'm with them and I am I grow so much, as an instructor, I learn. I learn when I'm going to an event a Cycle Store U and I'm watching somebody who's only been teaching for three months. If I'm open enough, I'm going to look and I'm going to watch them and I'm going to learn. It's maybe something I skipped over. Or maybe something that I learned so many years ago, that looking at it now, from where I am now, I'm going to see it even more differently. And I can use it and use their experience that they're having on the bike um, after all these years now, even though I run this department, I'm as high as it gets, um, I still learn. And so I hope that for us in our community that we've built is that the goal is that to for these instructors to don't ever close the door as an instructor, because the best instructors are always learning. The minute I stop thinking I don't have anything else to learn and everybody needs to learn from me, I'm done, right? So I've got to stay open and 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 always evolving, and learning and growing. So, um, we're big fans of that at cycle bar we try to really push all the cycle stars to do that
0: totally like everybody we meet in our life has something to offer they have something to bring into our life and with that being said we meet everybody in our life for a reason yes which is perfect segue to the next question i have for you who are three pivotal people that you met just randomly but your life wouldn't be the same without them
1: um, I would say uh, Janet Fitzgerald, who has my job at Soul Cycle. She was uh, my business partner. Um, I would never, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without her, right? I wouldn't be here. I would probably still be following people and a private investigator. Um, but you know, so by meeting her and her teaching indoor cycling and making me go to a class that I hated at first. Um, and her being such a great instructor that looped me in and then buying into opening a studio um, definitely changed the course of my entire life. I, You know, I wouldn't have... Every, it's just everything fell into place after that moment. So definitely pivotal um, point in my life meeting Janet. Um, I would say... Uh, Ruth Zuckerman who's one of the founders of SoulCycle as well and Flywheel. Uh she also uh still a good friend of mine. Um you know meeting her uh and and, and after going to work for Flywheel it, it just kind of led me here. So very pivotal part of my life and my journey connecting and having such a strong woman uh, who was able to um help my path to get my job that I have now. Um, And next I'm gonna say my wife, because I think that in my last, um, you know, five years of being uh, with her as a partner, I probably had the most amount of growth as a person. Um, Because we, we challenge each other um, and that that's, was always part of our commitment to each other is to challenge each other to be better, better communicator, uh, communicators, better parents, better people, better leaders in our jobs. So I think that meeting her and, the, and this dog over here, um, I think meeting her was really a um, huge uh, part of it because uh, she really did call me to be a better leader. Um, and a better leader, even in my job. So, um, yeah, those are my three people.
0: I like it. And it speaks to a lot of important things. We should be surrounding ourselves in our life with people who make us better. Yes. And if they're not making us better, we should ask us ourselves. Why are they there? Like, what are they doing? Why do they get so much of our time? Cause we only get so much time.
1: Yes. Yes. And
0: so, uh, last year was the first year that uh, Cyclebar Windermere did the ride for Loma. Yes, and I'm sure you're very familiar with the story and her legacy yes. and everything. And the the second annual one is coming up, and I'm going to do a special intro on this to try and help promote it and share Loma's legacy. And I know cancer affects a lot of people. It, uh, I know that I don't. I never grew up with grandparents because of cancer. I mean, like my parents are, are older, which would have placed my grandparents at an old age, but I might've seen them if not for cancer. Right. And so I'm just curious, like, I know it's had an impact on you. Like you mentioned how your, your mother passed away. Like, what, what is the extent of cancer's impact on your life?
1: Uh, Huge. I mean, as so many people, um, I've lost so many people um, to cancer. So besides, um, you know, my mother passed away, my aunts and uncles, I've lost friends um, who passed away. I I just actually, you know, thank God, um, one of my closest friends went through uh, the last year of having, um, she had colon cancer, young, two kids, my kid's age, um, and, you know, going through her chemo with her, and surgeries, you know, with her, and by the grace of God, she's now cancer-free at, when she had stage four um, can- uh, colon cancer, which is a rarity that she, at the moment, is has been cancer-free. So it's a huge impact. And I think that, you know, um, Loma was really hard to lose because we all loved Loma. It was, uh, you know, she was a, her love for Psychobar and, and opening the studio and and to get to the point of almost opening it and then getting so sick was just um, really hard to watch. Um, So I'm so grateful that, uh, to see that Windermore is still doing really well and that her energy isn't gone. Such a blessing and a gift that um, all of those, uh, I'm gonna cry, all of those cycle stars and, and people in your community chose not to let go of because it's so easy to to you know have someone leave or pass away and that energy is replaced or you know tries to be replaced and no one tried to replace that and i think that that's such a beautiful thing that her her essence and her energy and her purpose and intention is still um ever so present um not physically but the energetically emotionally is always gonna be at that studio. Um, But I think, you know, luckily, you know, for the Ride for Loma and and one of the things that we do with Cycle Gives Rides is to find things that are so important to our hearts and close to home and franchisees all over um, are doing, you know, whether it be breast cancer rides or, you know, colon cancer rides or just cancer in general, leukemia, we do Alzheimer's rides. We do so much stuff um, that the opportunity, because we know that Cycle Bar, uh, Studio Fitness in general, because of that energy created, has the uh, and the community that's created created has the uh, potential to raise so much money, right, for charities that are near and dear dear to our hearts. So why not use what we do to Constantly raise money, Um, and and it's a great avenue to do it. So, um, yeah, it's cancer's a tough one, and and you know I don't know, you know, if I could go back and you know, wish we could all go back and change our environment and change um, the foods that we eat and all these kind of things that we have you know put in our bodies, so that uh, it would reverse a lot of it. Um, But I hope we get there someday.
0: Absolutely. I think uh, something that resonates and lingers with me is the amount that it can change how a person lives their life. Like we come across these moments that you never get again. Yeah. Like moments in that spin room where you connect with one person, you match the beat, um, where you just started crying out of nowhere, you woke up and you were feeling awesome then a song came on and then all of a sudden you're just feeling full of emotion. And these are like moments that we can't take for granted. Yes. This is what makes life full and whole and wholesome. And like taking time to like stop and smell the roses. Like that's a big thing that I advocate for is you got people, you got neighbors, you got people in your community. When's the last time you just stopped? and like shared some time with them, like went for coffee or went for a walk.
1: Yeah, or just checked on them. Hey, are you, how we, are you doing? You know? Like, yeah.
0: We, we take that for granted.
1: We do. We do. It's, it's You it's know, we, don't, we, live in a, we live in a time where people are more present on social media than they are in their real life as it's happening. So I think that, you know... Getting, you know, the the goal for all of us is to get to get back to present, being present, being in the moment, being and appreciating the moment, just appreciating the beautiful things in life. And you know, I'm a big fan of trying to. Whenever I talk to my friends and, and even you know my uh, the, my team of master instructors, I mean, like just like I, I love you so much, you know have a great day, love you, because you never know, right? So it's so precious that it can be taken away at any time. And so what are our last words? What are our last things that we say? What are our last things that we do? And I'd rather it be um, on the phone or in person telling someone that I love them rather than through a text message or an Instagram post, right? So I think it's just um, you know we have to get find the art of coming back to being present and appreciating what's happening in front of us not in someone else's life on its social media but what's happening right now with our families and our friends and our neighbors and in in our community
0: and it's how we do the things that we do as well like Rather than a lot of people will set their five alarms in the morning and be, like, I have to wake up real early. Like they, yeah. they hate it. They they don't speak nicely of it. And then they, like, but then I get to the workout and I feel better. But yeah. honestly, you get the opportunity. You're privileged to have the capability to wake up early, to get in your car that runs, to get to that studio that's full of people who all have their own essence in which you will become elevated because everybody brings something to the table. Like, yes. That's how we should see things.
1: I agree hundred percent.
0: I like how cycle bar fosters that and I like how it seems to be growing in Canada, but to what extent, like, I know there's Edmonton, there's Toronto. What's next?
1: Uh, Calgary. Nice. is opening. Yes. Um, we are doing Calgary. I think it's, I know we have a lease signed. Um, so yeah, we're we're coming. We're getting bigger there. Eventually, I think we'll get bigger in different regions. Um, you know, it's it's there's a lot of territories. We actually just uh, did a, a multi deal with all of our brands. We're owned by a company called Exponential. So uh, Exponential owns Cycle Bar, Pure Bar, um, Club Pilates, uh, ooh, Tread. Um, What else do we own? We are so so many different brands, it's crazy. I think there's eight or nine of us, AKT Fitness. So we are going into other demographics, like Saudi Arabia, we just did a big deal. So where they're bringing in um, Yoga Six, Cycle Bar, um, AKT Fitness, um, Pure Bar and Club Pilates um, and Cycle Bar. And we're all going into this area and then they're gonna expand to those six brands. Uh, We're in Dubai. We're opening in London this year, so we're getting out and doing. We're close to doing something in Germany and uh, a couple other countries right now. So, hopefully, we'll, we'll grow um, a lot in the next couple of years. I like it's that. exciting. Yeah, exciting. It is.
0: If you reflect on the last seven days, what is the thing that you are the most proud of?
1: Um, I'm the most proud that I was um, able to unplug and be with my family and just um, be present and see their joy jumping and, you know, being at the cottage and, you know, doing these things that they've not done before. And, you know, jumping off the dock and then going out and jumping off there just seeing that pure excitement from my children um, and unplugging and seeing being able to experience the surroundings and the beauty, um, and also having the trust that I've built such a stellar team that they can support me being away. And so I think that for the last seven days, it's just really, you know, it's a reminder how important it is to take care of ourselves so that we can be what we need to be for those people that are relying on us to do what we do. It's really important. So, I think that that for me was like a big accomplishment to be able to unplug.
0: Have you ever had a time in your life when you left it too long before you went and you unplugged?
1: Yeah, I think lots of times. Um, A lot of times I've done that. And I think that, you know, I think as you get older, you. Um, you know, you, as known as we get older, we lose people, you know, parents and family members die and, you know, you get to an age and all of a sudden your friends, you know, you're losing friends, they get sick or cancer, you know. Um, and that, I I think that that's when you start realizing that I've got to take care of myself, got to nurture myself. Um, back in, uh, about 15 years ago, I was a, you know, I had my business, um, my my studio, I was working seven days a week. I was teaching eight to ten classes a week, running a business, um, crazy times, running myself ragged, never went on vacation. Um, and I got really sick. I got was I actually was diagnosed with MS. And part of I didn't go on medication when I was diagnosed with MS. My goal was that um, I went alternative. I went to a plant-based diet which I've been now for 15 years, I've been symptom-free, I've had no relapses. But uh, along with taking that initiative to go plant-based and take out the processed foods and animal products and and really eat a clean diet, I had to um, clean out uh, energetically as well, which is carving out time for me, taking the stress out, um, trusting your team, and the people you surround yourself with and giving them more power and more room to take stuff off your plate so that you have the time to give back to yourself. Uh, being an instructor is, is the, probably such an amazing uh, gift to be an instructor because you get to give so much of yourself to people and, and um, the effect that we have on people is just monumental, but we often forget to nurture ourselves. So for me, that was a a huge lesson in I've got to really start nurturing me, feed my body, feed my soul, um, rest when I need to rest and, um, you know, take care of my mind, take care of everything.
0: So what holds you accountable to doing that for yourself? Because we all fall into old habits.
1: Um, I have been... I think that was just a, such a scary experience for me that I, I've never cheated. <laughs> I've always stayed on this strict diet. People ask me all the time, "Oh, what's one? What's one time if you have a piece of birthday cake? Um, I'll have a vegan cake." But um, I, it's just I don't. Why risk it? Yeah. i no. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it's just knowing, seeing the progress. When I started taking care of feeding my body and my soul with the right things, I just don't have any desire to fall back emotionally, physically, spiritually. I think it's just now, it's, it's, I know it's my, it's my uh, life vest, right? It's my lifeline to do this. And what holds me accountable is my kids and my wife and my family. Like I want to be here for my kids. I want to be. Um, I want to be healthy, and so fortunately, I'm, I have a career in, a, in an environment that promotes health. Um, I, you know, am super fit uh, in my fifties, which a lot of people aren't. So I have that, and I, uh, you know, I feel I'm grateful for the path that got me to where I am. Even the sickness, because God knows where I would be if I didn't. I could have maybe dropped out of a heart attack seven years ago if I didn't learn to peel back, take the stress off, meditate, come, you know, put the right foods in my body. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think that there's what holds me accountable is just there. I know I know what's out there. I've experienced feeling like death. Um, not being able to feel parts of my body uh, in the beginning when I had, uh, you know, my first rounds of attacks, um, and you know that keeps me accountable.
0: I like it. So, if we were to look towards the next year, what's one thing that would fill you with the most joy? From like, it doesn't have to be business. It can be like your goals, but something that if you accomplished it, you you would feel the most fulfilled.
1: It's a tough one (laughs) Um, because I think of my job as one of my children. So I would say that I I just want, I think the goal for me is that if I can get everyone in alignment to, I guess, you know, when you see your kids be good people, like, that's, that's such the best accomplishment ever when you see them, you know, say the right things and be kind when, you know, over kind. You know, they just amazing. Those are the best moments for me. Um, but also, like, just, you know, the ride for Loma things, those things within these cycle bars and seeing these great things that we do for communities. Um, I just want it to keep happening. Right. As long as it keeps, for me, I want it to be bigger. I want our impact as a company to be bigger. And I think that there's so much more we can do um, now that we're um, getting a lot of these processes and procedures down with opening all these studios and getting some of the struggling studios back to being successful, which has been a, a big task that we've done in the last 18 months. But then going back to how do we be more impactful as a company? Because when you have 200 or so studios open all around the world, and your, your goal is to get to that 500, think about how much of an impact we can have. So really bringing that to CycleBar on a level of how much more charity can we do? How can we affect communities, whether it be um, you know, those, those rides for Loma or the, you know, somebody whose uh, family's lost their home. The things that we've done, um, it, it's just to, to keep on that and make it bigger. You know, like that. any one. change, any change for the better of, a, uh, of society at this point, I think is just, whether it be through our children or through our, our cycle bars is, is, is my goal.
0: So there's a question that I ask all of my guests and it goes like this. If you were to give one piece of advice on how to authentically live your life to the fullest, what would it be?
1: Don't be afraid. Like you have to let go of fear, fear of love, fear of loving, being loved, being left, being uh, failure, fear of failure, all of that fear Um, because when we let that go, um, we can experience, it's what holds us back, holds us back from being happy. It holds us back from being loving, holds us back from being kind, uh, because we don't want to put ourselves out there. So it's just really just finding the roadblocks that keep you strapped into fear.
0: It's been a pleasure having you join me. I want to thank
1: thank you for for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: You bet. And uh, we'll probably chat another time.
1: I hope so. I hope to come come to Edmonton and, you know, get on a bike.
0: I look forward to it.
1: All righty. See ya. Thank you.
0: I just have one thing to ask of you. Find somebody
1: that's in your life right now and tell them that you love them. Thanks for listening.